guys, it's Victoria here and welcome to the Motorsport Stories podcast. This is episode 2 of season 2, the history of the Williams F1 team. Since the 1970s, Williams F1 has been a force to be reckoned with in the world of Formula 1. But how did Williams F1 come to be? This private team has won a total of 16 Formula 1 World Championships throughout the years, 9 Constructors titles and 7 titles for drivers, which makes them the third most successful Formula 1 team on the grid behind Ferrari and Mercedes. So what does the future look like for this historical team that is currently struggling both financially and on the racetrack? And who is the man behind this remarkable story? All that and much more is what we'll take a closer look at during this episode. The origins of the later Williams F1 team was laid when Frank Williams founded Frank Williams Racing Cars in 1966 with Piers Courage as the team driver. The team had their debut at the Formula 3 race on Brands Hatch in 1967 and the following year the team started racing in Formula 2 and they even took on a certain Max Mosley on as a pay driver this year. Quick footnote for those of you who do not know who Max Mosley is. Apart from being a former Williams driver, later on he was also the president of the FIA, the International Motorsport Governing Body, between 1993 and 2009. Back to Williams. The team started to enter some Formula 1 races in 1969. For the 1970 season, Williams had acquired a new chassis from De Tommaso. This season was however fatal for the team as their main driver from the beginning, Piers Courage, was killed in a race on Sandford and instead Tim Schenken was hired to race for the team. In 1971, the team ditched the Tommaso chassis and opted for a March car and Henry Pescarola was hired as the team's first driver and during the season the team was racing three cars in both Formula 1 and Formula 2, two racing series that were often driven by the same drivers in the same cars during this time period. However, this is not a successful season for Williams in any of those racing series. In 1972, the team was supposed to upgrade their car, but since the car was not ready until mid-season, they started their season racing their old March car. For the 1973 season, Williams chose to partner up with a different car company, Isa Revolta, and due to a sponsorship deal with Marlboro, the team actually became known as Iso Marlboro. Marlboro stayed on as a sponsor for the 1974 season as well. However, they withdrew as a sponsor by the end of the year and so for the 1975 season the cars actually went under the Williams name for the first time. The team was struggling financially at the time, also because they no longer had Marlboro as a sponsor. But they still experienced a major success when driver Jacques Lafitte finished second in the German Formula 1 Grand Prix that season. For the 1976 season, the Williams team was forced to enter a partnership with Walter Wolf Racing due to financial issues. This relationship deteriorated when for the 1976 season, Frank Williams was told that he would be replaced as team manager by Peter War, and Frank from now on would only be the general manager. This dramatic situation would, however, bring about the beginning of an important part of Williams' history. Frank Williams decided he had had enough and simply sold his controlling interest in the team and left. However, not until he convinced some of the key people within the team to leave with him. Most notably was designer Patrick Head, with whom he had found the new Williams Grand Prix engineering team. 
Williams received some lucky breaks in the next few years as they landed the airline Saudia as the head sponsor and signed the Australian Alan Jones as a driver for the 1978 season. In the following season, the team had a new car that was, however, not quite ready for the first race and had Jones as well as the Swiss Clay Regazzoni as their drivers. Regazzoni even managed to score the team their very first Formula 1 victory in this 1979 season. And then came the 1980 season. After having only just taken their first Grand Prix victory ever in the previous 1979 season, here in 1980, Alan Jones was able to clinch the first ever Drivers' Championship for the Williams team. And the team even took the Constructors' Championship this season as well. During the 1980s, the team managed to clinch even more championships, both Drivers' Championships and Constructors' Championships. To pick out some of the most memorable moments, in 1981, the team managed to retake the Constructors' World Championship the second time in a row, even though the championship driver, Alan Jones, had left the team ahead of this season. In 1982, Williams driver Keke Rosberg was able to clinch the driver's title that season. Fun fact about this championship, Keke Rosberg became one of a very few drivers that only took one Grand Prix victory in the season they won the championship. The 1982 car had secured Rosberg the championship due to his reliability. However, it wasn't exactly the fastest car in Formula 1 at the time. So William went in search of a new engine provider. And in the last race of the 1983 season on the Kyalami track in South Africa, the Williams team was finally able to debut a car with a new Honda engine. The 1984 season would however prove to be a very frustrating season where the team was dealing with reliability issues with the new Honda engines. For the 1985 season, the team had a strong driver lineup of their previous world champion Keke Rosberg and Nigel Mansell, someone who would also end up winning the championship for the team later on, but we'll get to that shortly. The team also debuted their very first carbon fiber chassis, something you'll know more about if you listen to our last episode. For the first few races, the team was still racing with their old Honda engines before getting an engine update that will make the team almost unstoppable. Ahead of the 1986 season, team owner Frank Williams had been seriously injured in a car crash that led him paralyzed. Despite this though, he would remain the team principal for many years to come. For the 1986 season, Keke swapped to the McLaren team and a new Williams driver duo would be Nigel Mansell and Nelson Piquet. The final showdown for the 1986 championship was between Mansell and Piquet with PK being the winner of this duel in the end. PK managed to take the 1987 title as well, but left the Williams team after the season. However, it was not only PK the team lost after the season. It was also the engine deal Williams had with Honda. The loss of Honda power by the end of the 1980s hit the team really hard. By the end of the decade, Nigel Mansell also left the team. But don't worry, he will be back again later. For the 1989 season, Williams switched to Renault engines, an engine provider the team would stick with for over a decade. Coming up to the 1990s, 1990 itself was not a super strong year for the team. Though Italian driver Riccardo Patrese would secure the team one Grand Prix victory at Imola in Italy. 
For 1991, the team managed to re-sign Nigel Mansell to the team and another important person also joined the Williams squad, Adrian Newey. Newey joined the team as a designer. Throughout the years, he has worked for a number of big Formula 1 teams such as, of course, Williams, but also McLaren and Red Bull, where he's currently the chief technical officer. All in all, Newey can be considered one of the biggest engineering masterminds of Formula 1 of all time. For the 1991 season, Williams took multiple victories and in the 1992 season, we finally get to talk about the world championship for Nigel Mansell that I've hinted at a few times. Mansell took nine victories that season and the Williams car this season, the FW14B was an absolute beast of a car. In the 1993 season, the team had a completely new driver lineup of also by that time multiple world champion Alain Prost, as well as future Williams world champion Damon Hill. If you listen to our episode from last season on the 1993 Donington Grand Prix, you will know that Williams was the dominating car this season, even though it was notoriously hard to drive. The team was sponsored by Sega and Prost won the championship, the last of four world championships in what would also be his last season as a Formula 1 driver. Apparently, the reason Prost didn't want to stay with the team for the 1994 season is that Williams signed Ayrton Senna on as a driver for this season. Prost and Senna haven't had a rivalry for many years after previously having teamed up at McLaren and having fought some tough battles for a world championship back in the end of the 1980s. The 1994 season would however not only be tragic for the Williams team but for Formula 1 in general when Ayrton Senna tragically died during the race at Imola that season during a weekend where the young Austrian driver Roland Ratzenberger was also killed. The Williams team ended up having four different drivers this season and despite all still managed to take home a number of victories. For 1995 the team had Damon Hill and David Coulthard as the driver duo and the pair managed to take a few Grand Prix victories during the season. In the 1996 season, Coulthard left the team that instead signed Jack Villeneuve in the season. This would also be a season where driver Damon Hill took the Drivers' Championship and the team to the Constructors' Championship. Despite having won the Drivers' Championship, Damon Hill was scrapped for the next season in favour of young gun, the German Heinz Harald Franzen, and not only that, Adrian Newey also decided to leave the team after the season, since he could not fulfill his ambitions of becoming a technical director with the team, as that role was suddenly taken up by Patrick Head, who was of course a co-founder of the Williams team. In 1997, the team won their last Drivers' Championship when Jack Villeneuve clinched the title, which is also the last time a non-European driver won the Formula 1 World Championship. After the 1997 season, however, Williams interim provider for over 10 years, Renault, decided to leave Formula 1. After two successful, yet tumultuous years, where first a world champion had been fired from the team, an engineering genius left the team and the engine provider decided to leave Formula 1 altogether. A period began that by many has been classified as Williams' slow decline from a status as a Formula 1 superpower. Jumping a few years forward to the 2000 season and a new decade, Williams managed to strike an engine deal with German automotive giant BMW and the team actually managed to end up third in the Constructors' Championship. Later on in 2002, the Williams-BMW team actually ended up second in the Constructors' World Championship. 
The 2003 Drivers' Championship was close-fought until the very end of the season and Williams driver Juan Pablo Montoya was actually one of the three drivers that managed to hang on to the hope of winning the championship until the very end of the season. He ended up finishing in third place in the championship that year after Kimi Raikkonen, who is of course here still in 2020 driving in Formula 1, and Michael Schumacher, the eventual winner. In 2004, the Williams team ran a car that was notorious for looking, well, a bit like a walrus. However, it was still good enough to ensure they got second place in the Constructors' Championship that year. However, a big change for the negative also occurred this year, when longtime technical director Patrick Head stepped down and handed over the reins to Sam Michael. Again, jumping a few years forward to 2006, another year that is seen as contributing to the decline of the team when the team split up with their engine provider, BMW, that decided to set up their own Formula 1 team. The 2007 season proved to be an alright season for the team after partnering up with Toyota as an engine provider and tripling their tally of points in the Constructors World Championship compared to the 2006 season. Coming to the 2010s, Williams started with a new old engine provider, Cosworth, that had also provided the team with engines back in 2006. The driver lineup at the beginning of this decade was former Ferrari driver Rubens Barrichello and Nico Hülkenberg, who was the newly crowned GB2 champion at the time. GB2 is the previous name for the Formula 2 series. Jumping forward to the 2012 season, where the team managed to snag one Grand Prix victory when Pastor Maldonado went on to win the Spanish Grand Prix. Currently, this is the last Grand Prix victory of the one so victorious team. The driver lineup this decade was ever-changing, and so was the management. For example, the current CEO of the Mercedes F1 team, Toto Wolff, had a short stint as the executive director of the Williams team, leaving after the 2012 season. For 2013, the daughter of Frank Williams, Claire Williams, was appointed as a deputy team principal, which meant that she would be running the day-to-day business with Frank Williams still being the actual team principal in order for the aging Frank to be able to step back from the day-to-day business. Claire was actually in this role until just recently. From the 2014 season until present day, Williams have been in a partnership with Mercedes F1 as an engine supplier and in 2014 the team was actually rather successful and managed to come in third in the Constructors' Championship. After this season, however, the team would ultimately start finding itself on the rear end of the Formula 1 grid and the next few seasons up until present day would be an all-time low for the once so successful Williams team that also started to struggle majorly financially. It looked like their setup as being an independent constructor not tied to a big company is ultimately an outdated way of running a Formula 1 team in the modern world. The last podium finish for the team came in 2017 when Lance Stroll, in what was his rookie season, took third place in the Azerbaijani Grand Prix. Before we turn our focus on present-day Williams, we should have a quick look at the man behind this remarkable team. The story about Williams F1 is of course not complete without having talked about the man behind it all, Frank Williams. Frank was born in 1942 in England, the son of a Royal Air Force officer. Frank loved cars and racing from an early age. 
He even started racing himself, first in an Austin in 1961. To fund his racing, he actually started working as a traveling grocery salesman. He eventually attempted a career in Formula 3, but had to retire in 1966 as an active driver because he just didn't have the money to race. As we know from the beginning of this episode, however, he would soon try his luck as a team manager instead, where he would come to be very successful. As briefly mentioned earlier, Frank was involved in a car accident in March 1986 that left him paralyzed. It happened after Williams' test at the Paul Ricard circuit in France, the one currently used for the French Formula 1 Grand Prix. When on the way to the airport, Frank was in a hurry to catch a flight home. Since the accident, Frank has been in a wheelchair, which also makes it easy to spot him whenever he's at the circuit for a race. Frank is known as a strong personality around the Formula 1 paddock, and in his own words from an interview with Esquire magazine in 2015, he doesn't have many hobbies and he isn't much for socializing. His one true passion is his job and a Williams F1 team. His achievements in racing and in a businessman have also been recognized internationally. In 1987, he was awarded a CBE and in 1999, he was knighted by the Queen of England. Even outside of his native England, he also received awards, like the prestigious Légion d'Honneur in France in relation to his efforts in the team's cooperation with French automotive giant Renault. Now we will jump back into the current struggles that the Williams team has been going through. As we can see, during the last years, the Williams team has not only been struggling performance-wise, but also financially which has led the team to now ultimately take the biggest step imaginable in order to stay a Formula 1 team in the decades to come and in order to again become as competitive as the team once used to be. During summer this year, it was decided by the Williams family, who had been the team owners throughout all of these decades with Frank Williams' team principal, to sell the team and subsequently the ownership has been taken over by the Rilton Capital. The Rilton Capital is an American private investment firm that specializes in rebuilding companies. The Rilton Capital say they appreciate the importance of keeping the Williams legacy and culture alive, even after the change of ownership. This means that the team will keep its traditional Williams name, and as previously all names of new chassis will start with FW, as has always been the tradition for the team. The Williams team has been an essential part of Formula 1 for a number of decades now. Many legends have been part of the team throughout the years and the amount of success they have achieved throughout the years has been remarkable. This stands in stark contrast to the numbers of downs the team has experienced in the past number of years. Now only time will tell if the recent change in management will bring Williams back on the path to success that Frank and the team has been walking on for so many years. If you ever have any questions, some feedback or would like to suggest a topic for the show, please feel free to leave a comment on the Twitter, Instagram or Facebook page or send me an email. Contact information can be found in the show notes alongside any sources that might have been used for this episode. And please remember, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on a, your favorite podcast app. And of course, spread the word, tell your friends about the show. Until next time, have a speedy day.